0: Well, we've, we've just come out of a season that talks a lot about peace. Preston has had a, a couple of messages about peace, and for some reason I thought to, to continue that a little bit. Uh, when you think about, even though Christmas is over, we're past the New Year, when you think about Christmas time, it's that season of a year that I think carries a special place in our imaginations that evoke certain feelings in our hearts you know we get Christmas cards we get Christmas cards that say peace on it Uh, some of the cards I've I've seen if you imagine you've probably received one similar it has a picture of a dove and has the word peace on it yeah I saw one that uh, is a picture of the world a globe and says let the world be filled with peace And goodwill, and then you know we've got one that just has the words peace, joy, love as as a Christmas card, and then some actually quote a Bible verse: "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." We sing songs about the cattle peacefully lowing, the baby quietly sleeping. We have images in our head. Or on TV about snuggling warmly next to the fire, being surrounded by the children, contently playing quietly with their toys beneath the tree. Everything seems to be picture perfect. The night is silent and the peace peace of the season just pervades every square inch with the magic of Christmas. Was that what your Christmas was like? Close. Close. Okay. Well, then we wake up to the reality that we don't live in a uh, Norman Rockwell or a Thomas Kincaid uh, painting. You, your Christmas bills come due. Uh, kids are whining or fighting over toys. The car needs repair. Some family member may still be mad at you for what you said at Thanksgiving, or. You know, you didn't go to the right family's house for Thanksgiving. Uh, all these things add up to not very much of a peaceful feeling at Christmas time. That can give you a sense of anxiety, of rest, restlessness. Uh, rather than being filled up with goodwill toward men, we tend to be filled up with bitterness or anger or frustration. Uh, Leads to feelings of guilt. But you know, we, we end up having every feeling except peace, don't we? But, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that experienced that. I don't know. Uh, but once we come to faith, we have an objective peace with God. And yet, it seems like we still struggle to find that feeling of peace. You know, while feelings aren't ultimate, they are important. And we've got to admit that they're a real aspect of our lives. And thankfully, we aren't left without hope. You know, the second London Baptist confession says that we must diligently make our calling sure so that our heart may be enlarged in peace by studying, by meditating on Christ's work for us, Uh, by examining our union with Him, we can experience the feeling of peace with God. We can have peace in our souls by meditating on what what Christ has done, by not forgetting it. Uh, So I want to start by looking back just a little bit at the uh, angelic announcement. You know, what? when the angels appeared to the shepherds, what happened? You know, it says that the shepherds were out in their fields. One angel suddenly appeared and the glory of the Lord was shown about the angel. This was just one angel and they were terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. For I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lining in a feeding trough. Now that was just one angel. And then it says, and suddenly there was a multitude of angels. Many, many, many angels. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to the people he favors. Peace on earth to the people for whom he finds goodwill. So after the first angel proclaims this good news of great joy, just imagine the sky exploding with a multitude of angels saying glory to God in the highest. We see here that the coming of Jesus is all about the glory of God. The whole idea of glory carries with it, I want to get this, carries with it ultimate beauty, magnificence. It, it's, it's something that is, it's hard to get across. It's, it's weighty. It has the power to displace things, to move things out of the way. So when the angels declare glory to God in the highest, what they're saying about the birth of Christ is they're saying there's a beauty that has come to the earth that displaces all other beauty. It lessens all other beauty because of how beautiful it is, of how wonderful it is. There is a magnificence in Christ that lessens or reduces any magnificence. On Earth, I was trying to figure out an, an analogy for this, and I, I don't know. Maybe some of you can relate to this. It's it's like having beef jerky on the plate in front of you, and and you look at it and you go, "Okay, I can eat that," and then someone brings a top sirloin or a filet mignon. And that beef jerky may have looked good at first. But when you saw that filet, that jerky just dulled in comparison. You would find it, in comparison, you would find it tasteless, right? You would no longer want to eat it. And there's something about how now we have something that is more magnificent than anything you can imagine. Glory to God in the highest. And what is this thing that is so magnificent that has come? Well, they tell us in the next line it is peace on earth to the people he favors. That's the magnificent thing that displaces everything else. God, in the coming of Christ, making peace with mankind. Uh, I was trying to quickly note down here as, as uh, uh, I'll admit I was writing this down. How Greg was saying we're so quick to forget, but we need to continually remember. What are some of the things? I mean, I think we need to remember that we were born in some, some would use the term iniquity. We were born in sin. We were born in immorality. We were born in wickedness from birth. We have rebelled against our creator. Scripture says there is no one who is righteous. Any righteousness that we would try to do with our (coughs) own hands is a false righteousness. We have been in a broken relationship with God. And when we think about it, we realize that, yes, we did face the wages of, of sin. As Romans 6.23 said, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God <coughs> is eternal life. Do we think about that every day? That we have come out of darkness and into His marvelous light? And yes, that, that the wages of sin meant death. Physical death. But something that we forget about too. Is that the wages of sin meant. The inability. To experience the fullness of life. In any area. Any domain. I I would argue and say. That the fullness of marriage. As it is intended. Cannot be experienced. Outside of those in Christ. Reconciled to Christ, we're able to walk in an intimacy with one another that is impossible outside of Christ. You know, a right relationship with God vertically writes everything else horizontally. God makes peace where the wages of sin are death. And we need to remember this every day. In the second part I just mentioned of Romans 6.23. It says where it reminds us that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the coming of Christ is all about bringing peace between the hostility of our rebellion against God. And bringing peace uh, between us and God's just and right wrath. Toward our rebellion. We need to remember that Jesus stepped into the middle of that. And he brought about peace. The peace of his blood. Shed on the cross. He absorbed all of God's wrath for us. And he replaced it with God's good pleasure. He replaced it with the imputed righteousness. Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is He worthy of this? Yes, He is. You yeah, know, I was reading over this and thinking of that. Oh, He is so worthy as we were singing that song. Colossians three, fifteen through 17 says this. Let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body, let that peace control your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the peace of the Messiah rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ rules in our hearts when we surrender our lives to him. So letting the peace reign is about laying your life down, seeking forgiveness, believing that Christ brings peace. You know, what happens when a Christian doesn't have the peace of Christ ruling in their hearts? I think first, for whatever reason, we think that we should be in control. We take on a weight and a responsibility and a worry that isn't ours to take on. For example, I think... Anxiety and stress start to build up in a Christian when you start to believe that you can fix someone. Trying to fix a brother or a sister, a son or a daughter. You take the weight of trying to fix them on your shoulders. And you start stressing out. You start to be fearful. You start to worry. Why do we do this when we can't fix ourselves? And yet we try to fix others. Trying to control. Trying to manipulate things. Things at work. Things at home. You take on things that you can't do anything about. And when we realize that we're not in control. But God is. Then we will be able to rest. Then we'll be able to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. You can't fix someone else. But you can pray. The thing with a family member, that thing at work, you can pray about it. Then you can breathe and rest. Know that you're in the hands of God and no peace. And when you have the peace of God in your heart, You'll grow in thanksgiving. You'll grow in gladness. You'll be more and more in tune with the generosity of God in your life. What comes to mind when you, the very first thing when you think about peace? Anything? Anybody? The world doesn't have it. No sins. No sins. What? Anything else? The presence of God. The presence of God. Mm -hmm. Now, I think if if you ask most people, let's say the man on the street, they might say something like, uh, no more war. Uh, We see a lot of that on the news lately. So a lot of people don't have a positive concept of peace, but a negative concept. You know, peace is the absence of war, the absence of trouble. But the biblical concept does not focus on the absence of conflict. You see, biblical peace is unrelated to circumstances. This is the thing. Biblical peace is a goodness of life That is not touched. By what happens on the outside. You may be in the midst of great trials. And still have. Biblical peace. Paul said he could be content in any circumstance. He demonstrated that he had peace. Even in the jail at Philippi. He sang. And and remained confident. That God was going to be gracious to him. And then. If you remember the story. When the opportunity arose he communicated God's goodness to that Philippian jailer and brought him and his family to salvation where does a man find peace that is not just the absence of trouble but the kind of peace that cannot be affected by trouble cannot be affected by danger cannot be affected by sorrow where do you find that peace peace Well, I think it's uh, ironic that maybe what is the most definitive teaching on peace comes from our Lord Jesus on the night before he died in agony on the cross. He knew what he was facing, yet he still took time to comfort his disciples with a message of peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. The peace Jesus is speaking of enables believers to remain calm in the most wildly fearful circumstances. This peace is never caused or created by circumstances, but instead it affects and overrules circumstances. That's the peace that he offers. And the New Testament speaks of two types of peace. The objective peace that has to do with your relationship with God. And the subjective peace that has to do with your experience in life. You know, when we put our faith in God, we, have, we cease becoming enemies of God. We come over to His side. The hostility has ended We have a peace treaty now, so to speak, with God. And Jesus wrote out that treaty with his own blood. That treaty, that bond, that covenant of peace declares the objective fact that we now have peace with him. You know, Romans 5.1 says this. It says, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, I found this, this uh, uh, quote the other day that talks about the, the good news. And it says that the good news is a lot better than simply telling someone that God has a wonderful plan for your life and wants to make it happy, wealthy, uh, and, and healthy or that he wants to give you a method for self-improvement. The good news is that the eternal beloved son of God Mm -hmm. came into this world to rescue us from wrath by being stricken, smitten, and afflicted, wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, so that we could be reconciled to God and no longer his enemies, but have peace with God. Uh, That's, uh, I think, an explanation of the good news. Whereas we were once separated, we've now been reconciled. That's the heart of the gospel message. But Jesus does talk about the the subjective experiential peace too. And this is what he said, my peace I leave with you. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, this peace, is a a tranquility of the soul, a settled positive peace that affects the circumstances of your life. And I would argue that this is not a passive peace, but an aggressive peace. Rather than being victimized by events in your life, this type of peace attacks them and gobbles them up. This peace is a supernatural Permanent, positive, divine tranquilizer. It's a firm conviction that he who spared not his own son will also freely give us all things. This is the peace that Paul speaks about in Philippians. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds. The peace of God is not based on circumstances like the world's peace. Now, I will say it doesn't always make sense to the carnal mind. Paul says it's a peace that surpasses every thought. But in this passage here, peace will guard your hearts and minds. This word guard is not a word that simply means to watch or even keep imprisoned. It's a word that's used in a military sense. It means to stand at a post, looking out, guarding against aggression of the enemy. So with peace on guard, the Christian has entered an impregnable fortress from which nothing can dislodge him. The name of that fortress is Christ, and the guard is peace. The peace of God stands guard to keep worry. To keep doubt, to keep fear from corroding our hearts, to keep unworthy thoughts from tearing up our minds. And this is the kind of peace that I think men really want. They want a peace that deals with the past. Where guilt tortures them hour by hour. They want a peace that governs the present. So that there won't have any unsatisfied desires. They want a peace that holds a promise to the future. Where there will be no forbidding fear of the unknown. And the peace of God. Is exactly the peace. That does this. The peace of God. Is the peace that covers the guilts. From the past. The peace of God is that by which trials of the present are overcome. And the peace of God is that in which our future destiny is secured eternally. That's the peace of God. And this peace that we experience, you know, this peace, where does it come from? Well, we find references To God, in Hebrews, he's called the God of peace. Philippians, do what you have learned and received from me and seen in me. And the God of peace be with you. A similar thing in 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Hebrews, the God of peace. Jesus also references as the one who brings peace. We know the passage from Isaiah 6 for a child will be born for us a son will be given and the government will be on his shoulders his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god eternal father prince of peace I already mentioned John 14:27 where Jesus says my peace I give to you notice he says my peace Here is the key, I think, to the supernaturalness of this peace. It's his own personal peace that he gives to us. It's the same deep, rich peace that stilled his heart in midst of mockers, haters, murderers, and everything else that he faced. He had a calm. Christ had a calm about him that was unnatural. Unnatural. In the midst of incomprehensible persecution, Jesus was calm and unfaltering. And he says he gives us this same peace. Think about when Jesus appeared before Pilate. He was calm, serene, controlled. He was at peace. He was so at peace that Pilate became frustrated and disturbed Pilate it seems was probably furious that jesus was standing before him fearless and Pilate said to him do you refuse to speak to me don't you know i have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you then in perfect peace jesus said you would have no authority over me at all if it had not been given to you from above that's the same kind of peace that he says he gives to us. An undistracted fearlessness and trust. The real question is, do we walk in that level of peace? We need to be able to lay hold of this peace. Whether you realize it or not, it's there. We just have to take hold of it. I think it's interesting that he says, my peace I give to you. Then he says, your heart must not be troubled or fearful. The peace he gives to us needs to be applied in our lives. If we lay hold of this promise of peace, we will have calm, untroubled hearts Regardless of external situations, regardless of what happens in the rest of 2019, I would argue that if your heart is troubled, then you're not experiencing this peace. You're not really trusting in his promise of peace, anxiety, turmoil, you know, they really seldom focus on present circumstances. A lot of times, anxiety is trouble borrowed either from the past or from the future. Some people worry about what might happen. Other anxieties come out of the past. But both the future and the past and the present are under the care and control of God. He promises to supply our future need. And he has forgiven our past. Do we remember this? Think about Stephen. As he sank bleeding and bruised under the stones of a crushing mob. He offered a loving prayer for his murderers. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Paul was driven out of one seat, dragged lifeless out of another, stripped by robbers, arraigned before ruler after ruler. Yet he had an uncanny peace. Five times I received 39 lashes from Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods by Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea on frequent journeys I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, and so on and so on. And he says uh, this he, he says all this and he says I have peace. We are pressured in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may be revealed in our mortal flesh. Therefore, we do not give up For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. In other words, Paul didn't focus on his problems, but on the promises of God to sustain Him and glorify and use Him to glorify God. Troubles come and go, but glory is eternal. That's why Paul could write rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I'll say one other thing. To have this supernatural peace, it puts us under an obligation to lean on it. Let the peace of the Messiah to which you were called in one body control our hearts. You have this peace. Now let it rule in your heart. In the midst of a society where we are constantly bombarded with pressures designed to get us to focus on our needs and our problems how do we keep our mind focused on Christ and on His peace? By spending time in the Word. By being taught by the Holy Spirit. By permitting Him to fix our hearts and focus on the person of Christ. I would say I think most people who lack peace simply have not taken the time to pursue it. God's peace comes with a personal discipline to stop in the midst of the storm and take the time to seek him. It's a condition of peace that we cease from life's activities and know him. Be still and know that I am God. And to those whose minds are steadfastly fixed on him, he gives the gift of peace. Uh, There's a hymn that I found that I just want to read it out uh, in closing. It's a hymn called Comfort, Comfort Ye My People. That was actually written in Germany in 1671. And it's based on Isaiah 40 uh, verses 1 through 5. Mm -hmm. And it goes like this. Comfort, comfort ye my people. Speak ye peace, thus saith our God. Comfort those who sit in darkness, mourning neath their sorrows load. Speak ye to Jerusalem of the peace that waits for them. Tell her that her sins I cover, and her warfare now is over. Yea, her sins ere God will pardon, blotting out each dark misdeed. All that well deserved his anger. He no more will see nor heed. She hath suffered many a day, now her griefs have passed away. God will change her pining sadness into ever-springing gladness. For Elijah's voice is crying in the desert far and near, bidding all men to repentance, since the kingdom now is here. Oh, that warning cry obey, now prepare for God away. Let the valley rise to meet him, and the hills bow down low to greet him. Make straight what long was crooked, make the rougher places plain. Let your hearts be true and humble, as befits his holy reign. For the glory of the Lord now over earth is shed abroad. And all the flesh shall see the token that his word is never broken. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we ask for your grace that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts. Father, where we have tried to be in control, we confess that. We admit that. Where we have tried to fix others, realizing that we ourselves are broken, Father, we confess that. Where we have tried to do what only you can do, we confess that. And Father, we ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would begin to flood our minds. With your goodness and your grace. Father remind us of those times. When you've provided. And yet we were so unaware. Mm -hmm. The times you delivered us. And we didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. The times when we were worried or fretted. Or anxious. Over something that you miraculously handled. Father let us know your peace. As never before. (laughs) Father let us walk in your peace. Let us trust that you are in control. Father we give you thanks. In your holy name. Amen.